Good morning. Both our Bible readings today are from the Psalms. Uh, and the first one I'm reading this morning is Psalm 129. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth. Let Israel say, they have greatly oppressed me from my youth. But they have not gained the victory over me. Plowmen have ploughed my back and made their furrows long. But the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be turned back in shame. May they be like grass on the roof, which withers before it can grow. A reaper cannot fill his hands with it, nor one who gathers fill his arms. May those who pass by not say to them, the blessing of the Lord be on you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And the second reading comes from Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Mount Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Well, good morning. My name is Chris Cullen and it's my privilege to serve as one of the pastors here at Windsor District Baptist Church. And as we think about the passages that we have here today, I want to start by, um, actually I'll just, I'll pause one moment, just while I think of it. The roadmap out of lockdown, it's, you prepare the best you can but uh, I noticed on the slide there was slight error when we go back there are two services but the first will be at 9am and I think the slide said 9.30 so our two services when we go back out of lockdown will be 9am and 11am uh, sorry I just needed to sort of mention that and get that out of the way um, why don't I pray and then we'll think about God's word together let's pray Father God we thank you that you provide us with your very words to us here in our Bibles and your living word to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. May we learn as we look at these passages today, may our hearts be open to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in Australia, we live an incredible lifestyle, don't we? Despite lockdown, generally in Australia, we are in an unbelievably prosperous and harmonious society. Now, I know there are some who struggle with poverty, some who sadly have faced racism, some who have been victims of domestic violence. I know that not life isn't perfect for everyone but for the most part in Australia we are blessed and as Christians we have a pretty easy life too occasionally we might get a little bit of good-natured ridicule from someone in the workplace but generally we're able to associate with other Christians apart from lockdown but 
we're putting up with that because we care about people and we don't want people to be harmed by COVID. But generally, we can gather as Christians, we can come on Sundays for worship. We have a very good life, mostly in our community. People respect us as people of faith. And so as we're looking at these uh, songs of ascent, the, the pilgrim songs, we're, we're looking today at two different psalms, and you might look at them and you say, Psalm 129, the first one that we're looking at, uh, it, at first reading, and when you heard uh, Ian doing the reading there, you, you think, I'm not sure whether I relate to that. You know, this is about a people being afflicted and oppressed. And then the, the second psalm that we had, 133, is about brothers and sisters living in unity and the blessing of that. And you think, well, that sounds more like it. That's like what we're experiencing here in Australia. And so you might think, well, I, I'm not sure how that first psalm relates to me. If we want to have the, the big picture of, of what these two psalms together are getting at, the, the big idea that we learn from these is that God lifts his people from oppression and pours his blessings on us. God lifts his people from oppression and pours his blessings on us. And our outline, looking at the, the message today, I've got four different ways to look. We look out at the world to see the situation that we are in, in the first three verses of Psalm 129. Then we look up to the Lord, 129 verse 4, and then at the beginning of 133 verses 1 to 3a, we look in to God's people, and finally we look forward to restoration, and that's the second half of Psalm 129 and the last part of Psalm 133. So first off, we look out at the world. And when we look out at the world, and it might not seem like this to you, but we are actually at war. And when we think about the situation that the, the writer of the psalm was in, it makes sense from their perspective, but we're going to see also how it makes sense for us. But at the beginning of the psalm, we read... Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Now remember, these psalms are psalms that were used by the people of Israel when they were going up to Jerusalem to worship. And so they were uh, communal psalms. And you, it, it sort of sounds like it's written from one person's perspective. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. But it's a psalm that's a communal psalm, let Israel now say. So it's saying, as a nation, we've been afflicted from our youth. Think about the history of Israel. God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Remember, in Egypt, they were in oppression. Pharaoh used the, the Hebrews as his slaves. They were there to make the bricks for his great building program and they had to make bricks from straw and 
in the, the hardest point of their oppression, Pharaoh told all of the, the slave drivers that were driving the Hebrews, make them go and find their own straw, but they've still got to make the same number of bricks. The Hebrews, the, the, the nation of Israel, from its youth, from its infancy, was born in oppression. And then as they came out of Egypt and they came up to the land of Canaan, there were nations all around that were always seeking to oppress them, that were fighting against them. They were at war throughout the period of, of the judges and then the kings during the, the kingship of Saul and then the, the kingship of David and Solomon and then when the kingdom divided into two northern tribes and southern, there was always surrounding nations that were at war with them. And then because of their disobedience to God, the northern tribes were conquered. And then the southern, the, the kingdom of Judah went into exile to Babylon. You might think of this psalm perhaps as written after the period of exile perhaps. And when they say, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. You can understand that they felt like that as a nation. It is a, a communal psalm. And so when we're thinking about how does this apply to us, we can't just think of it from our own personal perspective, but we need to consider the people of God. When we think worldwide about God's people, remember the church today, God's people is the, the New Testament, the, the New Covenant equivalent of Israel in the Old and right now, since the withdrawal of US and Australia and other troops from Afghanistan, Christians in Afghanistan are facing persecution. The organization Open Doors reports that there are increasing threats against Christians and that the Taliban have been searching door to door to find Christians and there are reports of killings. If you go to a website like Voice of the Martyrs, and you just look at their news for the last month, they have reports of persecution in various places around the world, in Nigeria, India, North Korea, China, Kazakhstan, and Pakistan. And the Bible tells us that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. Greatly have they afflicted us from our youth. Let the church now say, greatly have they afflicted us. And if you look at the history of the Christian church, there has been persecution. And there continues to be. In Psalm 129 verse 3, as we move on, we have this incredible picture, a very graphic picture. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Here's a picture of, of 
a, a person with a plow, the plow would be pulled by a donkey or an ox or a horse and a, a great big implement making a big furrow in the ground. And the picture is of Israel as a nation face down on the ground and the plough going over their back. It's a very graphic, descriptive picture, isn't it? And this is how the people of Israel felt, that they had been oppressed, afflicted from their youth, and that someone was taking a an agricultural tool and running it over their back. Do we have that sense as a church? Have we been lulled into a sense of security because here in Australia we don't face persecution? Yet in parts of our world... Our brothers and sisters are facing all manner of persecution and even death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. The plough is going through the back. What a graphic picture. Does it remind you of something, of someone I think of Jesus who in what's termed as the passion of the Christ and some of you may have seen that movie by Mel Gibson but even as we just read in the scriptures the crucifixion narrative then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him and the soldiers twisted together a, corn of, a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. We read in the, the narratives that as Jesus was being forced to carry his own cross to Golgotha, that he was so weak from the previous flogging that he couldn't do it and that he collapsed under the weight of the cross. And then there on that hill, along with two other criminals, he was treated as a criminal. His feet and hands were nailed to the cross. Does this picture of the plowers plowing on the back, does it not make you think of Jesus? And of what he did for us. Look out at the world. We are at war. In Ephesians 6 we read, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Don't be lulled into a sense of security because we have it so good here in Australia. Make no mistake, we are at war. We're in a cosmic battle against Satan and the forces of darkness. 
but don't despair. Look up to the Lord. Jesus has won the victory. Look up to him. We, we read in the second part of verse 2 of Psalm 129. Yet they have not prevailed against me. Let's just read the first part again. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Yet they have not prevailed against me. Why? Because in verse 3, the Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. And in my mind, this is a picture of uh, the person who has got that plough, who is going through the, the ground and going over the back of Israel to plough a furrow deep in the back of Israel. And God has won the victory. He has cut the cords between the, the oxen or the donkey that is pulling the plough and the plough itself. And so the person seeking to plough the back of Israel can no longer do it because the cords have been cut and the Lord, the righteous one, he has cut the cords of the wicked. Jesus on the cross says, it is finished. The battle, the cosmic battle, the, the war that we are in against evil it's been won by Christ. Jesus has already conquered Satan. He conquered death when he rose to new life. The Lord is righteous. He sees the cries of his people. He hears them. And he has cut the cords of the wicked. Look up. When you might be thinking that life is hopeless. Look up to the Lord. Jesus has won the victory. And this might apply in your own life. Yes, this is a communal psalm. It is speaking about the people of God. But there are circumstances that you might be facing where you feel like you're the one face down in the dirt. It might be something that you're going through at home. It might be a circumstance at your work or amongst your extended family where they are ridiculing you for your beliefs, for your faith. It might be that someone is unfairly accusing you of something or treating you in a way that no one should be treated and you just feel like you're face down in the dirt waiting for someone to take a plough over your back. Don't despair. Look up to the Lord. The Lord is righteous He's cut the cords of the wicked. This is a past tense. The writer of this psalm has written it after these past events. 
and looks back and says, God has won the victory. And we know ourselves that Jesus has won the victory over sin. It may be that that's your struggle. That you feel enslaved by sin and you feel like you can never break free. Jesus has cut those cords. He's won that victory. He's taken my sin and yours, my shame and yours in his body on the cross so that we might be free. Look up to the Lord. Jesus has won the victory. I'm going to skip ahead. We'll come back to the second half of Psalm 129. But when we skip ahead to Psalm 133, we're encouraged to look in to God's people for God's blessing in unity. We read, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters, when God's people dwell in unity. Good and pleasant. There is a repeated word there in a sense. It's not the same word, two different words, but meaning pretty much the same sort of thing. And it's repeated there to just emphasize how wonderful it is when God's people dwell in unity. And then there's two uh, pictures of what it's like when God's people dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now, this is an allusion back to when Aaron, who was Moses' brother, when the people of Israel were brought out of Egypt, and God is helping them to establish how they should operate as a community. And uh, Stephen talked earlier uh, about the, the Levites, who were the people that were there to serve in God's house, in the sanctuary, and the priests. And Aaron and his sons were anointed to be the priests of this community. And, and oil, precious oil, fine oil, some of the translations say, uh, was put on his head. He was anointed with it. And the anointing was a sign of God's blessing. And when you read that uh, passage back in Leviticus, it doesn't say anything about the oil sort of dripping down the, the beard and onto the collar. But I think here, the, the writer of the psalm, and remember these are songs, and songs are, you know, poetry, and there's always a bit of um, poetic license, if you like, to try and make a point. So we don't know... <laughs> Back in Leviticus, when Aaron was anointed with oil, you know, how much oil was there? <laughs> Who knows? But here, the, the writer of the psalm is, is picturing it as, as an abundance. So there's so much oil that is dripping down his, through his beard. And probably, you know, they probably didn't trim their beards like we do these days. He might have had a long beard. And so... Here's this picture of this oil dripping down. And, and oil is a, a picture of opulence. It, it's a picture of richness, of abundance. And there's it, so much that it goes over the collar of his robes. When God's people dwell in unity, that's a rich and beautiful thing. That's... God's abundant blessing on us. The second picture 
It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Now, Hermon, Mount Hermon is a mountain in Israel. It's, it's about 180 kilometers northeast of Jerusalem. And I don't understand how they've thought about geographical type things back in those days. But obviously, uh, it's the tallest mountain in Israel, Mount Hermon. And uh, there is snow there um, at certain points of the year. And it's also the place that the Jordan River springs from. Uh, And so there's this picture of of water and and the Jew of Hermon uh, falling on the mountains of Israel. And it's a picture of God's blessing coming down. Now, there's a word that's used three times uh, in the original Hebrew that's used three times here in this chapter. The running down, the oil running down on the beard and running down on the collar of his robes and the dew of Hermon falling, which falls on the mountains of Zion. It's this same word, which is, it's about descending, falling down. And there's this picture of God rains down his blessing The blessing of God descends from above. And when brothers and sisters, when God's people dwell together in unity, that is God's blessing coming down on us from above. So when we think about the fact that God's church is persecuted in parts of the world and that even at times we face a a minuscule portion of persecution here in Australia. We look up to the Lord, remember his salvation, but look in also to the church, to our sisters and brothers and and to the unity that we have. Remember our enemy is not actually the people that we know around us that don't follow Jesus, our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy are the rulers and authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so we look into one another and we see the unity that God gives us and the blessing that that is, that we can stand together, united against the evil one. What a blessing it is if you personally are struggling with something, if you feel like you're that person that's face down in the dirt. What an incredible blessing to have sisters and brothers who will walk alongside you, who will support you, who will pick you up, who will point you to Jesus. Look into God's people. There's a great blessing in the unity that we have. But I want to say this as a, a challenge to us as well. If there are things that bring disunity in the body of Christ, then that is a a real tragedy. We're not meant to be enemies of one another within God's people. 
God pours out this abundant blessing upon us of unity. And it's a unity that's based on our common need for a saviour in Jesus. None of us is any better than anyone else. We all need Jesus. We're all sinful. We all struggle with that. But by God's grace, we're saved. And all of us are recipients of that grace. And and that common grace should bring unity to us. So if there are things that we have disagreements about, it's incumbent on us as God's people to talk together as family, to work it out, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, as we're told in Ephesians. It's so important for us to value and treasure the unity of the church. And if you're tempted because you hold a a different position about some matter, it might be a, a belief about how we should go about ministry or what we should do in this ministry or that. Or how things should be done in church. If we have differences of opinion on those things, that's okay. We can have differences of opinions, but we must seek to maintain the unity of God's people. How good and pleasant it is. How wonderful it is when God's people dwell together in unity. Look in to the people of God. God brings great blessing in unity. And so we come to the last point of the message. Look forward to restoration. God's righteousness will prevail. The last half of Psalm 129 It's perhaps a little bit controversial. Um, It starts with with these words, May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. And it continues through verses 6, 7 and 8. And it's almost like uh, if if you had to say what's the opposite of, of pronouncing a blessing over someone, you would say the opposite of that is probably pronouncing a, a curse over someone. And it sounds like that, doesn't it? (laughs) It sounds like Israel, as they're going up to worship, they think about the oppression of the past, they hold on to the fact that God is their salvation, that he is righteous and has cut the cords of the wicked, and then they pronounce a curse on all those people that have oppressed them. And um, it's controversial because some people say, well, we shouldn't act like that as Christians. Jesus says, love your enemy, doesn't he? And so uh, was the writer of the psalm and, and the people as they sang this, as they went up to Jerusalem, were they sinning because they were pronouncing a curse on people? And that's pretty much what one of the commentaries says. Uh, Eugene Peterson, a tremendous Christian scholar, the, the man who uh, did the, the message paraphrase, um, he, he pretty much says in his commentary, you know, 
well, this is a bit of, you know, God's people here, are, they're not really doing the right thing, are they? Because Jesus does say, love your enemy. And here they are pronouncing a curse. Um, I, I don't think it's intended to be curse you, although that does come through sometimes in the Psalms. But it's more about looking forward to God's vindication. Looking forward to God's righteousness prevailing. Look forward. God's righteousness will prevail. And the people who are saying this, may all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. They're saying, God, we want your righteousness to prevail. There are people who are trying to plough the back of your nation. There are people who are opposing us and oppressing us. And we want to pray, Lord God, for your justice, for your righteousness to prevail. May they be put to shame. And then there's this picture... Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Back in those days, they had flat roofs on their house, and sometimes they would put some dirt on the roof to try and help the house remain cooler. They didn't have modern air conditioning or things like that. Um, and so there would be a, 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 a thin layer of dirt on the roof often. And so, of course, seeds... Would, would blow in and, and grass would spring up on the roof. But because it was only a thin layer of dirt, the, the grass wouldn't really take root and it wouldn't grow too long and it wouldn't be real strong. And so anyone could come along and just rip it up and tear it out. And when the heat would come in the hot of the day, there was no moisture in that and so the grass would wither. It's not like the, the, um, the harvest where you go to a good field and, and the reaper would go out and would you know, gather a big lot of wheat in a hand and, and take a sickle and reap it and gather all of this up into their arms. The grass on the rooftop, it, it was stunted and it would wither because of the hot sun. And the writer is suggesting that those who oppose God's people, those who oppose God, they're like that grass. They're not permanent. They're temporary. It might seem when you're undergoing oppression that the oppressor has all the power. But in God's perspective, our lives are but a whisper, a breath, and they're gone. 70, 80, 100 years in God's time is a fraction. And so the, the writer of the psalm compares the people who hate Zion as grass on a rooftop ephemeral, transitory. They won't be there long. It's not permanent. 
the oppression that they bring. It's not forever. In the very last verse, nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. That's possibly an allusion back to the book of Ruth where Boaz comes to his field where Ruth has been gleaning the extra parts on the edges of the field and Boaz says to his workers, the blessing of the Lord be upon you or something along those lines, we bless you in the name of the Lord. There's, there's that illusion, it's, it's the thought that in a good harvest, when there's a good harvest, there'd be this blessing of God uh, and that the harvest itself would be a sign of that and that you would say this to one another. You know, we bless you in the name of the Lord. As praise God for this wonderful harvest. And the writer here says, the people that oppress God's people, don't let that blessing be pronounced over them. Their harvest is short. They might plough the back of Israel, but not anymore because God has cut the chains. God's cut the cords of the wicked and they won't be blessed. And so finally, we come to the end of Psalm 133. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. We, we look in Psalm 133 into God's people and we see God's blessing in the unity that we have against the enemies of Christ. And God commands the blessing there, but even more so in life forevermore, eternity. We look forward to restoration, to restoration of God's righteousness and justice. That one day there will be a reckoning where those who have opposed God will receive what is due to them and where us who also don't deserve anything but by the grace of God have the salvation given through faith in Jesus where we will receive life forevermore. So when we look out at the world with spiritual eyes, we perceive that as a church we are at war. The world around us is laboring under slavery to sin and it's seeking to bring down upon us the devil's plow on our backs to mortally wound the church. But do not despair, look up, for Christ has won the victory. The Lord is righteous, he's cut the cords of the wicked. Jesus, with his finished work on the cross, has conquered sin and death. And look in at your brothers and sisters in the church. Praise God for the blessing of unity. Guard it at great cost. For our wrestle is not against each other, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers and spiritual forces. And Jesus pours out his blessing abundantly 
his blessing of unity upon us. Making peace and reconciling us to God in Jesus through the cross. And finally, look forward to God's restoration for justice to be done against those who afflict the church and for the eternal blessing of God, life forevermore. There's a song I love back from the 90s showing my age by an artist called Lanny Cordola and it finishes like this. I've been down before now, baby. Had my face kicked in the dirt. But there's an answer up above. And you're not alone. Forget about the past. The future's looking bright. Won't be long till paradise. Won't be long. Won't be long till paradise. It won't be long till paradise. And we all might say, praise you and thank you, Jesus. It won't be long till paradise. We're looking forward to the restoration of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we do lift our brothers and sisters up before you. Those in your church who are facing persecution right now. In Afghanistan, in Nigeria, in Pakistan and Kazakhstan and China and North Korea and other parts of the world. And even those who here in Australia might be facing ridicule or mocking or other persecution because they are followers of Christ. Help us to stand in unity with them. To lift them up, to support them, to point them to our Saviour Jesus who has won the victory. And we thank you that we can look forward with great hope and anticipation to one day being united with you in heaven. Where there will be no more crying or sorrow. Where there will be no more death. Where God sits on the throne and is our God and we are his people. We pray this in his name. Amen.